Hello and welcome to Red Shirts, a podcast about Star Trek. I'm your host, Jake Donaldson, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Nathan, Jadzia, Dax, Thomas, and Katie, Vax Platinum Smartwash Next Generation Motion Sense Cleaning Technology. Nothing sucks like a Vax, Mitchell. (laughs) (laughs) Without further ado, let's engage. <laughs> That's my favourite one of those you've ever done. Thank that you. Was amazing. I'm proud of that. <laughs> I would like to point out we are in no way affiliated with the uh, vacuum company and manufacturer Vax. They are not supporting. But we, would, or... we would take the money. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're not currently sponsored by Vax, but if uh, James Dyson wants to get in touch with me, um, then I'm absolutely happy to <laughs> to take your money, James Dyson. Um, the thing is, like that. That name for me is actually spot on because in the same way that Dyson is named after a guy, whatever the fuck product that can I swear on this podcast? Yeah, yeah, yeah well, yeah, <laughs> well, you have. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Whatever that product was, I'm actually a deep descendant off of whoever invented it in the first place. <laughs> what was it again? Can we like? Yeah, sure. So it... can we do an hour on this? <laughs> <laughs> it was the. Um... Is it, I'm glad we're not on the BBC because this would be undue prominence saying it twice. But this is uh, <laughs> this is the Vax Platinum Smartwash Next Generation Motion Sense Cleaning Technology. Other, other vacuum cleaners are available. There you <laughs> oh, go, Jake. This is this is actually a uh, carpet cleaner, not a vacuum cleaner. So uh, it's got like it's got water and shit in it. I don't, I don't, I'm not an expert. Ooh. I don't know what these things are. Um, this podcast used to be about Star Trek. Um, <laughs> We are joined by a uh, co-host again. Our um, our usual co-host Maddie Churchhouse is uh, still away on her continuing mission uh, to find strange new lands. Uh, I believe she's gone back to Riser uh, this time because she liked it so much. Um, so we are joined by Katie Mitchell. Hello, Katie. How are you? Hi, I'm great. Thank you. How are you? Oh, that, you're the second person in a row who's asked us how we mm. are. We never get that. It's very nice. Aww. Yes. You're fucking nice people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm. Uh, the, unfortunately, the answer is I'm awful. Um, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm. I'm doing really well. Thank you. Um, thanks for coming on the podcast. Uh, you're a stand-up comedian mm-hmm. and uh, podcaster yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Yeah. No, my part. I do a podcast with Leslie Ewing Burgess, who's also another stand-up called A Fun Time with Katie and Leslie. That has been updated sporadically. Um, it was really, it was really easy to do a weekly podcast in lockdown when you had nothing else yeah. to do, and then when <laughs> real life emerged, suddenly yeah. it was like, oh god, yeah, I've got a gig. Yeah, it was. Um, but we Sorry did, about yeah. January, listeners. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um. Um, but we, yeah, we've got like. We started banking them a while ago, so now we've actually got them coming out on a decent schedule, and they're all really good. They're really, oh, really? really yeah. It'll be links in the thing. It's just very oh. silly. Sorry. Yeah. No, it's okay. Uh, we'll we'll have links in the in the show notes, so the listeners can go listen to 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 all of the fun times. Yeah, indeed. Um, we'll, yeah. we'll we'll get we, you'll, we'll give you a chance to to plug that later on a, a bit more as well. Um, but uh, you don't get to plug anything on this show without putting the work in first, and, uh, <laughs> and as a result of that, you are here to talk about Star Trek. Um, Hell yeah! Now. Um, 
before we get too far into uh, which episode we're doing and stuff, I just I like to talk about when we've got a guest on, uh, what your sort of uh, experience of Star Trek is, how you came to Star Trek, what's your season, uh, what's your uh, what's your series even uh, that would make more sense. <laughs> no one's got a specific <laughs> season though. Oh, I really like Voyager season three. Um, <laughs> well, Voyager I, season three I is quite good actually. I immediately had that like it was like I hibernate. I just every winter I hibernate with Deep Space Nine on, <laughs> and then in the summer I fly south to go and watch Next Generation. <laughs> yeah, Next Generation is much more of a summer show, isn't it? It's like yeah, I think Next Generation is sort of white wine and. DS9 is red wine. Like <laughs> DS wine is hard whiskey. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> DS wine. I like that though. you called it DS wine. <laughs> I, I'd love to contribute to the to the what alcoholic drinks uh, is each Star Trek series, but I don't drink alcohol, so I could I could make these jokes, but they come from a place of ignorance. Valid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, well, I'm not, I'm not drinking at the moment because I've been put on a new antidepressant. So maybe we could go with like <laughs> the next generation is. <laughs> Wait, no, but in, 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 in Star Trek, they have uh, they have synthahol, so it would be fine. Like, it's alcohol you don't get drunk of, so do, presumably do you, they have you can s- have that on antidepressants. Do you think they have synth antidepressants as well? Yeah, <laughs> synthrolene. Synthrolene, <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, I, yeah, if, if that, yeah, I think if... if, if the next generation was sertraline, then DS9 is like... I don't know, tramadol. (laughs) (laughs) And yeah, I love these jokes because um, all of us know what we mean, but we're not explaining it, which is the perfect fandom joke. Yeah, yeah, exactly. exactly. (laughs) And also, I'm pretty sure everyone who listens to this podcast is on some form of medication. Um, You sort of you'd have to be really just to be able to cope with it. Um, But but we we haven't actually answered any of the questions that you just asked, Katie. Yeah, that's true. So, um, what what's your favourite series, and Um, and how did you come to Star Trek? Have you been watching it all your life, or tell us your story? um, No, I don't think so. Um, I think I started watching it on the Sci-Fi Channel. I would come home from school, and they would have like two episodes of something on. Um, But it's it's mainly Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, and Voyager are kind of my area. Deep Space Nine is my favourite by far. Because um, you're wrong, I really like but, the other uh, two. that's fine. <laughs> but I've, I haven't seen any of the before or since, so I haven't seen much. I've seen a little bit of um, original series, not much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I got really excited for Picard coming out and then didn't watch it, <laughs> uh, which is um, a classic thing I do with everything. Um, haven't seen Discovery or the other one where there's the song at the start um, and the Lady Vulcan. The Lady Vulcan. The guy. <laughs> I, I, can't, I can't even remember the what's the one from the two thousands where it's, it's, it's Enterprise. It's, yeah, we, we we don't like to talk about it yeah. either, to be honest. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I know it by reputation, so I haven't, yeah. I haven't yeah. bothered to. Speak I mean, during out. looking at our listener figures, the listeners don't like us talking yeah. about it either. <laughs> if if DS Nine is Tramadol, then uh, Enterprise is the equivalent of just smacking your head against a brick wall and hoping that gets the demons out. <laughs> Just like medieval. <laughs> no. um, well, um, so yeah, Deep Space Nine is my. Uh, so 
speaking of DS9, the episode that you've chosen, as as ever, whenever we have a guest on, we ask them to pick an episode, uh, and that's no no difference here. So, uh, Katie, which episode of DS9 have you chosen for us to watch this week? We're doing Rejoined. Yay! Hooray, it's Rejoined. <laughs> it's, uh, it's an exciting episode. Um, I'm sure we're going to have a lot to say about it. So without further ado, Nathan, would you like to describe the plot of Rejoined in your patented manner? Yes, we begin with a happy Jadzia Dax performing a sleight of hand trick to the confusion of Quark before Jadzia is called into Sisko's office. When she arrives, she finds a stern Captain Sisko telling her about a Trill Science team is coming and using the Defiant. But that's not the important thing. The important thing is that the leader of the team is Dr. Lanara Khan. Dax has three months of leave. You could take some if you want, but she wants to say she can handle it. She's never let her past lives interfere before. Trill Science appears with the infamous Dr. Khan in tow. There is some tension, and Kira picks up on it. Turns out, Dr. Khan used to be Jadzia's wife. After the credits, Quark recaps the various hosts of the Dax symbiont, and apparently, the past host Trias was managed to the past host of the Khans. Dr. Bashir explains the Trill Society views reassociation, that is, continuing a relationship with a past lover or any family or friend after death, results in taboo and exile. Sisko finds Dax lingering and avoiding her commitments when she eventually attends the diplomatic reception where Sisko toasts their efforts to create the first artificial wormhole. She wanders through the party uncertain of herself. She is joined at the buffet table by Lenara, who talks through the food. The whole room is watching them, and they joke about breaking all the taboos of Trill Society. They smile and part friendly. On the Defiant, the scientists brief the engineers and so on about the configuration that's needed for the experiment. Dax shows them to the bridge and gets, uh, and one of the scientists wants to get started, which leaves Dax and Khan alone. They start to discuss Tarias and Nalani, their past hosts. They struggle with pronouns and names and discussing their feelings. They share a meaningful look before Dax returns to her station. Dax says that Nalani was right about the circumstances of Tarias' death, though, and Tarias wants to apologise for it. Dazia invites Lenara to dinner. That is, I'm having dinner with friends. Well, I'm having dinner with Dr. Bashir. That, that's all. Um... We immediately see Jezia inviting Dr. Bashir to be the chaperone. On the dinner date, the poor Dr. Julian Bashir is very bored as the two discuss anecdotes about their various past lives. Dax points, Dax points out that Lenara and Jezia have more in common than their past married hosts ever did. Uh, Dr. Bashir is given an escape call to the infirmary, and Lenara notes he's a pretty good friend, and then gives Dax some jewellery. Uh, there's some more meaningful gazes and some hand-holding, which is witnessed by one of the scientists. Later on, the, defiant, the experiment begins. Dax and Dr. Khan start acting very friendly, and both um, Dr. Khan's brother and the other scientists notice this closeness. The experiment continues, an artificial wormhole is created, Dax is extremely proud and can't stop herself from showing it by hugging Dr. Khan physically. Uh, Dr. Khan talks with her brother, who is worried about the reassociation problem. She says nothing is going on, and immediately goes to Dax's quarter, where the two begin to talk about their feelings and desires and the great weight to be given to their true symbiotes. Dax feels she made her a widow and she's hurt calm before, then they hold each other very close and finally manage to kiss each other, which is definitely not allowed. Dr. Khan leaves. Dax goes to confess to Sisko. Sisko says he doesn't think she should pursue this. He remembers what Curzon used to say, the price of this breach was too high, even if he disagreed with it. Sisko wants her to think through every detail. There will be no further hosts. Dax feels she loves this woman, though. Sisko admits that maybe he would just be as ready to throw everything away, but he would have to be sure. 
Back on the Defiant, the experiment has begun to see if they can send things through this artificial wormhole, but there is an explosion. There is no response from the engine room where Dr. Khan is. Jadzia rushes to assist, and the engine room is completely fucked. There is a fire out of control, a compartment needs venting into space. Lenara, on the other side of the room, might still be alive. Dax comes up with a plan to walk over a dodgy force field to save her, drag her into, and she successfully drags her into a nearby compartment. The two agree they never want to lose each other again. Uh, Dax checks on Dr. Khan and is left alone by her brother. Dr. Khan is still torturing herself over what went wrong, and Dax proposes, well, there's further research to be done here, with me. It's worth the price. Dax points out that everyone is trying to protect them, but really it's down to us. Dr. Khan says she can't do this. She doesn't have the rebellious streak. She doesn't want to throw her entire life away. Uh, maybe if she thought... Maybe if she went back to Trill, but Dax doesn't think she wouldn't leave uh, if she felt the same way. If she goes tomorrow, it will be for good. And indeed, in the final shot of the episode, we witness Dax observing from a distance as Lenara leaves her alone forever. Thank you very much, Nathan. Um, and now, before we get too far into it, um, I would just like to point out that uh, Vax Platinum Smart Wash Carpet Cleaner is Vax's best ever carpet cleaner, and it kills over 99% of bacteria. Uh, with next-generation motion sensor technology, it's effortlessly <laughs> simple to use. Um, now, <laughs> Katie, why did you choose Rejoined? <laughs> Me gay. <laughs> Gay like lady, lady good, me gay like them. Well, that's that, that's the end of the episode. Thank you very much. Um, no, there's so much LGBTQ plus subtext that I really want to get. Yeah, into absolutely. About that, this. I mean, I think that's going to be the main um, and, thing that we talk and about. Until it, as one of the reviews that I, I read when I was preparing for this points out, there's so much subtext that eventually it just becomes text. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, like Kara at the start of this episode has some of the least subtle exposition I've ever seen. She's like, well, if two people love each other and can't be together because of a silly taboo, I think that's silly. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, Thanks, Kara. It's like, <laughs> yeah, it's like sometimes Star Trek, especially from the nineties, when it's trying to make a point, feels like a GCSE drama piece. Well, yeah. I mean, Discovery's like, not subtle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Discovery's like um, sort of hitting you over the head with it, but. Uh, yeah. Whereas at least this is kind of like, oh, we're trying to be subtle, but actually we're just rubbish at it. Yeah. Like, yeah. Terry Farrell is really good in this, but yeah. a lot of the lines are very much like, um, oh, this, and then we will, this is an allegory. Do you get it? Yeah. Do you get it? Um, no, you've got to credit the I cast. I do really, yeah. I really appreciate it. I try, I was like, so I watched it for the first time. Uh, no, I like, I watched it with my girlfriend and she, it was her first time seeing it um, about like an hour ago mm -hmm. before uh, we started recording. And um, yeah, I was kind of hyper aware of going like, oh, like this doesn't look like much now, but. No, but, but also... I still think there's a lot you can take from this. in Because one of the notes I made um I think this is something as someone who is is bisexual and is 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 getting married to to a woman and and looks can, can present as straight if if I choose to. Mm. And I'm not out to everyone in my life. I mean, I'm talking about it on the internet, so you know, it's not like it's a secret. But there was a long yeah, time but, in my but life. But the listener where numbers wasn't... aren't that good, Nathan. <laughs> yeah, but in theory, anyone could find out about this. Yeah, and like. There was a long time when I wasn't out to a lot of people, um, including my family, in university and stuff. 
um, early university. And I think a mistake, something that happens from the Federation perspective here, which I think is a mistake occasionally made by well-meaning inclusive spaces in real life, is assuming that it's just okay to be out in a culture mm. because it's out, it's, it's okay everywhere. And I think in some ways that's what some of the Federation characters, some people like Kira and so on, a lot of them are very, I mean, Cisco's a lot more measured about it. Um, yeah. But about, like, the it, actual it's not necessarily okay to just be out even if you are in an otherwise quite progressive place and space. Mm. Sometimes people have cultures that mean that's just not an option for them and they still have to... Mm. And that's sad and I don't want that to continue but I think there has to be understanding from those of us that live in more progressive social circles and cultures that there are still either cultures, families or countries where those people, even if, you know, I'm trying to talk around the subject very carefully to not talk about particular people, but there are people I know who come, who now live in, in Britain and live among quite accepting friendship groups, but were born and raised in countries where LGBTQ plus rights aren't very good. And they're yeah, still sure. got an anxiety and an ingrained nervousness about mm. being mm. out. And I, it, it's, it's, it's only a thing that struck me when I watched it this time for the for the podcast, but it's it's a it's the thing that I think if you if you do a bit of stretch of meaning, it, it's it's still quite relevant this episode. Yeah, and like I I do relate to it. it's less than a year since I came out as a lesbian, and in and that ended a four and a half year relationship with a man mm. who I'd been living with for like um, three years at that point, um, and like we sort we sorted that situation out and our relationship got quite platonic anyway and I really don't want to get into it on a Star Trek podcast <laughs> but like um yeah that turned out well but I remember the horror of feeling like oh if I come out now then I'm losing my best friend mm. who I you know like uh, me and him got along super well but I'm also losing my house um um, and then if I had to move back home, I wouldn't be able to commute to my job. Mm. If I don't have money, I can't really do stand up and go. And I thought most of my friends wouldn't like me, even though most of them are queer. Um, the act of coming out would like be perceived like I've been lying to my mm. ex for ages. So it's, I was like, right, I'm going to lose everything. So like I, could, I do completely understand where she's coming from. And that, you know, it took me quite a long time to come out after I'd realized that I was gay because of that. Mm. So and I had moments where I could and chose not to so like I mean it's... yeah I don't think I don't, like I don't think I think they paint both Dax and Lanara's kind of positions mm. in in a really sympathetic way and that is like because like the Hayes Code wasn't in effect when this was made but like the you know the after yeah, mm. I mean, Rick, Even they, they... they they spent they spent because Rick Berman, who was running still running Star Trek at this point, had a strong no, no gay mm. rule, and they used every technicality to dance over that in this episode because they were just like, well, technically, it is a straight couple kissing because although it's two women who are snogging, uh, <laughs> you know, and that and then, yeah. and that's ironically has only made it stronger because I think now you can easily read a trans narrative into this. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, like um that totally like Chad Dax has been a trans icon for Oh yeah. ever since it came yeah, out. Yeah, absolutely. And um, like we, we um we listeners who who listen regularly will know that we went to um 
destination Star Trek in London last year, and there was a, a panel uh, specifically about um, about queer representation in Star Trek, and uh, and and there was some discussion of, of that about how even before sort of trans uh, issues were sort of a, a hot topic, they were still being kind of uh, re- represented in a way, at least, or, or at least there was some mm. kind of even if it wasn't an, uh, a specific attempt to represent them, there was still, in the ethos of Star Trek, it sort of naturally comes out that there is a, a kind of representation that's natural to the way that the show is written and the characters are thought of and the scripts are, are created and things. And um, and I mean, I, I'm, I'm very cautious that I'm the... Um, I'm the token straight man on the podcast, <laughs> uh, and so it's not it's not really for me to say how it comes across. But speaking as a straight man, I guess when you watch it um, in this day and age, it, even to a straight guy, it feels quite, or at least a, you know, I'm a straight guy who's an ally, mm. and it feels quite um, Im- important. And I think I can I can understand why it would have been important to people in. 1997 or whenever yeah. this was and made. And I will say uh, to certain... 99. 99, yeah. right, yeah. And yeah. I will say um, to certain fans who are a certain subset that if you can see why this episode is as important as it is, you can understand why certain episodes of Discovery with their non-binary characters and so on are important. You can make that link. Yeah, that's interesting because there are uh, there's a, there is a subset of Star Trek fan who you come across on a certain bird type app um <laughs> who uh who will say that ds9's amazing and they love this episode and they think that jadzia dax is is brilliant and all that kind of stuff and then but then they also say oh i think it's getting a bit too uh progressive a on bit too yeah and oh. you're like what what do you think they were doing in the 90s you fucking idiot <laughs> yeah i mean they were i was gonna say they were behind the times i think that but it was it was one of the first like kisses between two women on tv yeah and i can't i genuinely can't imagine the like i can't remember watching this for the first time but i would have been a teenager and aware i think i was out as bisexual at that point mm-hmm. and um yeah i would have been but i can't imagine like uh, being in the like the 90s and watching that and not knowing like if watching it live you don't know that's going to and well, yeah. this is like a that. fun. This is a fun fact. Found out is that um, so Avery Books, who plays Captain Cisco, directed this episode. He did, um, yeah. Um, and apparently, Entertainment Tonight, when they sort of found out through the through the gossip sphere that goes around Hollywood and, and TV, they wanted to film the kiss and sensationalize it massively. In a sort of like mm. whoa, two women kissing kind of way, yeah. And he shut them the fuck down. It was like, no, it's an important bit in my story. Shut the fuck up and go away. Yeah. Oh, God, I love him so much. I love Avery Brooks more than I love Cisco. Um, <laughs> um, but I, uh, there's an ongoing narrative in the podcast that I'm not Cisco's biggest fan. But um, but I, I thought, Aww. I mean, speaking of the fact that he directed this episode, um, I, I just to get away from the deepness of it all for a little bit. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I'm just aware that we're still in the first 20 minutes of the podcast and I don't want to make this a, one of the ones where it makes one of us cry like it's happened in the past. Um, but, but also, I, I, on that note though, I would, uh, I just want to say like, um, it, it's, I appreciate you going into all the detail that you went into about your personal experience of, of, uh, of coming out as well, which is obviously um, 
it, it, it obviously must have been a difficult situation for you, and uh, and I think it helps the listeners to understand how something like this in the show really does have an effect and, and a real world example of of of, of, of what yeah. what goes on and what the actual stakes are in that situation. It's not just a thing happening in space to some aliens, um, which I think is yeah, really and it was really relevant and helpful. Yeah, and like being able to like watch it with my girlfriend, and it's still having an effect on us. And this came out when I was two. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, exactly. I think that's that's sort of the 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 point that that I think they wanted to make is that it is it's it's relevant to people in the nineties, and it and it's still relevant today. And I think that's sort of what they want to do with most of Star Trek because there's plenty of stuff from the TOS series that came out in 1967 that is still relevant mm. today and helpful today it's just a bit campy and rubbish and there's bad special effects in it um but uh, but so thank so thank you for that um, but the uh oh, no the, to, to move away from that a little bit we'll come back to it later um I just wanted to talk about Avery book Avery Brooks directing this episode because I think this is the first episode of DS9 we've done on the podcast that has been directed by one of the actors um, mm. and obviously the next generation had a big uh, it's a great tradition Star of Trek. that happening yeah and it's a great mm. Star Trek tradition you know Leonard Nimoy directing several films Jonathan Frakes obviously directs everything under the sun now yeah, yeah. Um, I saw in fact it. he's more of a director than he's an actor nowadays yeah um, FOTS Frakes yeah. is a great director um, I uh, I remember seeing a really good tweet on uh, Star Trek Twitter once that uh, it's uh, someone had said um, uh, what every white guy really wants to see when he gets home and then it was just the um, the title card from uh from a new episode of Discovery that said directed by Jonathan Frakes on it. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I think um, Avery Brooks has done a great job directing this episode. I think it's so well directed. And normally I don't particularly enjoy the pacing of DS9 episodes, uh, but I think this one was really good because it felt like a sort of film or a, a short play uh, that had been kind of turned into a, a televised thing on in space. And it was... I, I think he got the tone of it exactly right, and he got the, especially the shot with the kiss. I think you know, obviously. Oh, that's gorgeous! Like it's really nicely framed with like the space yeah, in the back. Yeah, exactly. And, stuff, like. and like you know, and Nathan's already said that he, he in the in terms of the sort of the directing of the production of it, he you know he took it really seriously and he he made sure it was sort of not not sensationalized mm. and he kept the the press away. He and stuff. strikes you as a man who knows the importance well not the important but the significance of what he's directing and treats it yeah. acceptably because i think even though star trek is provably quite meaningful and quite culturally important you still get directors i mean infamously the one that directed the film nemesis mm. who think it's just sci-fi and therefore it's just nonsense and it doesn't and, and it yeah. doesn't require yeah. attention yeah and i suppose as well part of that must come from the fact that Avery Brooks was the first black captain that we'd seen in Star Trek, I think, at this point. And, and so mm. he, in the first series, had felt sort of a, a pressure he's talked about in the in interviews about how he presented himself to represent people of colour on in sci-fi in the mid-90s. And I suppose that probably had an effect on how he how important he realised that this episode would be for queer people and... Uh, and and I think it's been said in interviews by 
Terry Farrell and other people as well that he was really sensitive around that topic with the actors, like mm. bringing them in. I think Terry Farrell said in an interview that she'd never been on an episode of Star Trek before. She'd never been brought in um, to to do anything before the first day of filming before, but Avery Brooks brought both, I think both of the main two actors, as well as a few of the other sort of peripheral actors in a day before filming started just to have a discussion about what it meant to them and what was important and what needed to be sort of paid attention to. And it's, and I know, and yeah, it's excellent. And like, as someone who's worked in the entertainment industry for a little while, it doesn't happen that often, even nowadays. So to see something like that happening back then, I think shows how how switched on Avery Brooks was as a director, but also as a person who knew what Star Trek meant to people and what it could mean to people. Um, yeah, which I think is great, and that, that that's what. It's it's knowing that context that really makes me love this episode. I think, um, like, uh, yeah, no, that's because he will have grown up like definitely seeing a Huru and then like um, Guinan as well yeah. and um, Geordie LaForge and stuff. Um, I mean, those will have been when he's was an adult, but he will have like seen that kind of yeah like, the, the effect of that representation and so ensuring that it went well. God, I love this guy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I, I know uh, quite a few of my uh, black Star Trek friends. Um, they see Geordie LaForge as like this huge uh, influence from like in the nineties because of his role on Star Trek, and he wasn't even a captain or a leading role necessarily, but he's still yeah. seen as this big important figure in sort of uh, the the cultural sphere of of black acting in in sci fi. Um, and I think Avery Brooks was sort of must have had that at the same time as well, and known that he was carrying on this kind of baton from TNG and from what uh, from what Lavar Burton had done in that sphere. And I think it's it's, and I think that yeah, that really must influence his decision making when directing things like this. And I think he was the perfect choice to direct this episode. Um, and it's amazing to see how far his directing comes from like this, which is I think season four. I really should know because I watched it. It's season like an hour four, ago. episode five, I think. There we go. Um, compared it to um, Far Beyond the Stars, which is one of my favourite episodes ever. Mm. He did like, direct that one, didn't he? Uh, I, I couldn't tell you, but uh, so. I think so. Which one is um, that? It does sound. It, it, it's the one, uh, the flashback to the sixties one where he's a writer. Yeah, like he his he, acting is amazing. Yes, because he did. Yeah, I mean that that always amuses me because it feels like the most self indulgent performance piece on his behalf because obviously he's quite important in it. And because in this one, like in a lot, it's the last series. He might as well get all the novels yeah, yeah. that he can yeah, out of it. Yeah, I yeah. love that. No, episode. it's fine. It but like, but as um, he's the director, executive producer, and the main actor in that episode, so like he. I imagine whenever that episode gets played on a syndicated TV station, he cashes in big time. Good. <laughs> yeah, he deserves it. He deserves it. the money. <laughs> but, like, what I was going to say is traditionally, you see it, you, you can often tell whether uh, an episode's been directed by a cast member because they're, they're suddenly less prominent in the episode, which is definitely the case here. He, he's in mm. two scenes advising Dax. Yeah. Whereas I think if he was not directing it, they would have put written him in as a mm. more continuing presence, like, mm. um, you know, and you can see similar things, like uh, Patrick Stewart directs that episode of T- 
TNG where Data gets a girlfriend and he's yes. barely in that one. Um, and that, I think, is um, part of it, really. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was... Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Um, I made notes as I went through. Good. Um, yeah, on a lighter note, because we did go into the heavy yeah, stuff right uh, Sorry, the that keeps happening um, on. <laughs> that's all right. What, what um, we, we, yeah, need to, we need to lighten, lighten it up and, and clean up after ourselves by uh, in, a, in a manner that we could <laughs> do if we owned a um, Vax Platinum Smartwatch Next Generation Motion Sense Clean Technology <laughs> and things looks like a Vax. Um, I'm really going yeah, after like this said, funding. <laughs> Like I said, I watched this with my girlfriend for the first time. She'd never seen an episode of Star Trek before. And in the first five seconds, Jadzia pops an egg out of her mouth. I had to be like, right, so she doesn't normally do this. It's not part of her character. Um, Yeah, well, she's... Just Jadzia has an egg. (laughs) That's the type Um, of alien she is, actually. That that type of alien lays eggs through their mouths just at random intervals during the show. Uh, You're just going to have to get used to that. (laughs) That's my very first note is Jadzia egg intro. Three question marks. (laughs) Yeah. Also, the fact that they've got like months of holiday or like holiday time um, yeah. rules. Um, I don't have any holiday time in my work, so I was like, oh, I wish I had holiday time. <laughs> um, <laughs> like, clearly, all of O'Brien's union manning is like paying off. Um, yeah. I think. Um... The bit that triggered me about this episode was that Ayu was a teenage magician, and uh, <laughs> and, this, uh, and yeah, and I watched the, those bits, and they do they they had the actors had to learn how to do the tricks properly, um, and so they do do them. They're not very good, but they oh, do I love them. That. But um, but like it's the bit where one of them says, uh, I think is it Quark says, makes a, a snide comment about how like it it's. It's, just, it's the purview of desperate, lonely people wanting to impress women. Yeah, yeah. that was it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I was like, oh, I've never felt so seen. <laughs> I was like, that's that's very upsetting, but also accurate. <laughs> yeah, I know some magicians. And, yeah. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, it's quite. I mean, it. But that's one of the. I actually think that scene because. Jadzia Dax is a very light, breezy character, right? Mm-hmm. Like in general, mm. she's the life of the party on DS9. She she does a lot of fun. Mm. A lot of the humor in her and Wolf's later relationship is um, is that he is so serious and <laughs> she is like the head of this. <laughs> and that's I think what it makes the later serious acting more profound because we we get that reminder right at the start that she's the fun, silly one. Right, and she's yeah. not being fun and silly most of the way through this. Yeah, exactly. but then like it also helps. It also helps like um, that that reception is is very funny for its sheer awkwardness all the way through. Like you know when 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 the when Lenara jokes about oh should we just you know throw things at each other or profess our undying love and <laughs> so on, it's just like oh yeah, I can see why you two have things in common and like each other. Yeah, I, and, and, yeah, like they do have similar. Yeah, I looked, and then you get dwarf just before that as well. Yeah. <laughs> <But> like, <laughs> dwarf like good tea, nice housing for the like tenth year. <laughs> <laughs> what do Klingons dream of? Things that would chill your blood. It is better. You do not know. <laughs> <laughs> 
like, is he joking or not? <laughs> oh, maybe it's because we don't know. Like, my, my headcanon is that that's all just a bit of a lie that he's trying to get people on board with. And actually, he dreams of like, like pink ponies jumping over fences. And like, <laughs> he's really, he's got really girly dreams. He just dreams of prune juice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, bless him. <laughs> um, the. Also, the like, oh, should we? Maybe we should like throw things at each other. Is also very Klingon. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, maybe we then throw heavy objects. And then she she says something like, um, "Or we could throw ourselves at each other." And like, and I, I knew, I knew that she meant it in like a sort of like a faux sexual sense, but. The first thing I thought was, what, like a wrestling match? That would be weird. <laughs> I would love to say that. Quite often that is what it looks like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I believe there's footage online. <laughs> Speaking of what I found online, um, the... Um, oh, no. No, it's, it's, um, not, it's not as bad as that. No. Um, I, I was curious about whether or not anyone had done any um, uh, any fanfic about uh, Jadzia and... Um, I've blanked on her name, Lenara. Lenara, that's it, yeah. Um, and I thought there would be some, obviously. I did not expect the huge amount, the tidal waves of fanfic that exist about them, specifically a lot of it about that scene where uh, where she says, or oh, we could throw ourselves at each other, and then in the fanfic, that's what they decide to do, and then they just have like glorious sex on in the middle of the room, like throw they get the the Bajoran food involved and like the, everyone's just standing there going, mm. <laughs> like that. so you had a fun day on the internet then. Yeah, yeah it was great. Yeah, you, sounds like you got some choice links you need to send my way. <laughs> <laughs> that that's great, but also there's. Like, not that much. I mean, the two female characters, like Kira and Jadzia, like, they become friends later on, but then there's not really much chemistry one way or the other. Like, they're not particularly shippable. Yeah. Um, And believe me, I've tried, (laughs) but, like, it's just. Yeah, I wonder if that was a a, a purposeful decision because of what. because of what Rick Berman was like, like Nathan said earlier, mm. with his oh, his anti-gay agenda. I wonder if he specifically wanted to try and make those characters not get on because he hates women and he thinks that they should all be put against each other and stuff. Like, yeah, and and what with Kira being like short-haired and angry and hates men. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's. Uh, yeah. I love her. Yeah. Um, well, now I'm sad. Um. <laughs> <laughs> It's okay. They they have fun later. They yeah. go on the hollow deck and wear silly hats. Yeah, I love that scene. That's a point um, I wanted to make. One of the notes I made about when they go for their meal together at uh, at, at Quarks and they force they force poor Bashir to come along with them. They they agree to meet for dinner at twenty two hundred hours. Who's going for dinner at ten p.m.? <laughs> <laughs> That's ridiculous. <laughs> Oh, that's why. That's why she's accused th- accrued three months of holidays because she's working twelve hour days. Yeah, God. Yeah, I didn't think uh, about that. I mean, I suppose it's space time and it's weird, and they probably have weird shifts, but still. Yeah, like still weird. But yeah, you still don't eat dinner at ten p.m., do you? You're not serving food. Like Quark's not serving food at that time, even if he can replicate it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or he'd at least go like, "Oh, well, I'm so tired. I need an extra few strips of latinum." Um, we could just pull them out of his ear. Uh, well, it's always the thing I like with, with, with Next Generation, where like 
they say they've got ships like Alpha, Beta, and Gamma shift, and there are different like watch officers and so on. And you do see that the like different people take command at different times. But whenever an incident happens, the main crew <laughs> are always the. It always happens to be their watch, and Captain Picard is in, in, in command, and they get the full bridge crew in, and they're never seen like, you know, really grumpy about it. As they're like, <laughs> oh, "Fuck's sake, I was asleep." Yeah. <laughs> whenever, well, whenever they're asleep, that's normally when Q turns up. I think does yeah. that happen in Next Generation yeah, and Voyager? <laughs> yeah, like, Q turns up when Picard like, is in bed a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God, he's a little freak. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My favourite thing about the dinner scene was the earring swap because again, the earrings are Klingon, and like Jadzia has this established, or like Dax has this established thing with Klingons, and she's like, "Oh, they suit you," but also just like the meme of lesbians wearing ridiculous <laughs> earrings, like lesbian earrings is a thing, and then she has these huge earrings, and they swap. And uh, that's just, it's, it's really gay. <laughs> <laughs> and look, my girlfriend doesn't have her ears pierced, but she steals my clothes all the time. And I was just like, that was the moment where I couldn't like elbow her and be like, you bloody do that. <laughs> and, and that was really nice. Um, and so much of this episode is quite sad that it's just, it was just a nice little thing going like, here, you can have my earrings. Yeah. Um, and like so much of this episode wouldn't make or just wouldn't be interesting at all if it wasn't two women because yeah. like that is the subplot um, yeah although I do like uh, uh, the way that the like gender is never brought up as if it would be a problem yeah. I, I really like that's what I was just about like they, to bring up yeah the... yeah like they lampshade it really well in that um, oh there is a taboo and it's for this reason and it's for this culture um but um, they don't say like, and also you're a lady. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah. Because presumably at this point in the future, gay relationships are and and same gender relationships are exactly as normal as uh, as as any other relationship would be. Yeah, um, I mean, it's a common thing I always feel about sci-fi in general is that I sort of think sexuality will, in a lot of these settings, would become kind of meaningless. Because if you think about the infinite variety of life and the infinite diversity yeah. we're told in Star Trek, like, what you're attracted to is probably not ever going to be meaningfully called... Like, I'm yeah. not saying there won't mm. be gay people, there won't be straight people or so on, but it's probably... I always think when people talk about their sexuality in Star Trek, it's kind of an audience thing where it's just like, yeah, yeah, the person I love is like all the people I've dated happen to be women. Oh, that's weird. Oh, they used to have a, a word for that. No. Oh, well, whatever. Um, <laughs> like, because you're probably going to meet aliens that have very different understandings of gender yeah. or no gender at all or look really weird. But yeah, I, I... yeah, or like there was that one episode in Next Generation where Riker. Um, there's like the non-binary aliens, yeah. yeah, and then they. That's a really like, interesting introduce... episode that we yeah. should watch at some point uh, to see so, um... how it holds up today. Mm. Well, yeah, like I totally understand what they were doing with that, and I know um, 
because the episode I can't remember what it's called. It got it got they... a lot more executively meddled with than this one did as well. Mm. But it was like before, wasn't it? Well, it would have been yeah, yeah, the yeah. next generation. Yeah. But um, yeah, like the they have a planet of non-binary aliens. They bring one of them on board. They loosely explain what gender is to it, and the alien is like, "I want to be a lady." Falls in love with Riker, as everyone does for one episode. <laughs> they kiss, and then like that alien gets yeah. conversion therapy mm-hmm. and goes back to being and and endless. And, and and Frakes was arguing strenuously that this would have more impact if they decided to become a man. Yeah, um, or like if they um, cast a male actor. Yeah, um, yeah. as the like non-binary thing, and yeah, I really appreciate what they were trying to do. It was. I think that one might have been 80s or like very early. It, it yeah. was early. I think it was 1990. Yeah. But it, yeah, it, like they it, were... it, 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 that episode is a lot weaker than this one from memory. Sure. And that's why I think it would be a good episode for us to watch. Yeah, absolutely. It, it, it will be interesting now, given there's non-binary main cast members on Discovery and, and things, to see how we feel that message games across and how much we're prepared to give it license or not. Because, mm. um, I, I, you know, it's a long time since I watched that episode and certainly well before I ever thought about Star Trek in the way I think about it now in the kind of analytical mind that doing a podcast about it every week forces me into. <laughs> yeah. This isn't the first time that they do the, um, like, referencing a same-sex couple in just, like, a neutral way. No. Because um, there's a bit in, um, again, I should have looked it up, but the episode with Pell, like, the mm. female Ferengi, who mm. disguises mm. herself as a male and then falls in love with Quark. Um, but where actually Jadzia, like, sits down um, to dinner with them and she's like, you're in love with Quark, aren't you? And... And Pell is like, yeah. And Jad's is like, aw. And Pell's like, he doesn't even know I'm a woman. And she's like, you're a woman? Um, <laughs> yeah. And so, like, implying that for it to, for yeah. her, like, Pell to be a man and in love with Quark was, like, totally fine. Um, and, like, it's just, like, like little moments like that. And that, that's what we have to cling to. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and, like, and it, it shouldn't be that you have to cling to something. It should, it, it should have been, you know... There should have been representation all along, but obviously that's not the way the world had happened. Um, and, no. and Star Trek is better now. But like I remember hearing a quote from someone, I feel like it was someone from the Discovery cast maybe, um, who was talking about when they get confronted by um, conservative people who say that there shouldn't be same-sex uh, relationships. It, mu- it must have been Anthony Rapp or someone like that talking about the... Um, the gay relationship in Discovery, and he said, "Like, why, why would you? Why have you got a problem with two, two uh, human men being in a relationship and kissing each other on TV? But you've got no problem with a human woman and a Klingon lady, or a, a, hu- a human woman and a Klingon man having a relationship together? And like that, there's that. Surely that's." more of an issue if your child if you're worried about your child becoming gay for some stupid reason then mm. surely you're also worried about your child falling in love with fucking et or something like it, <laughs> it's a stupid point of view to have but then americans are idiots it's like well it's like yeah. the amazing also, teacher response to the don't say gay yeah that's so good Florida. yeah oh, that's so funny good. if you haven't seen it listeners basically a, a teacher has maliciously complied with that order 
um, by making everything gender neutral on the logic that the, the law states you may not refer to sexuality. So obviously anything that refers to that um, should be removed, which obviously includes Clean. traditional parents, because straight <laughs> is, a, is, a, is a sexuality. Um, it's great, and then uh, loads of like loads of conservative parents have started like sharing things, being like, "Look at this! Like, oh no, we need to protect oh. our kids." And you're like, "Yeah, well, you can't have it one way, or it's, it's one way or the other. Yeah. You can't have it both ways, mate." Yeah, ironically. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the um, I did find one thing interesting. I need to double check the um, dates on this, sure. but like, there's lots of specific dialogue. Um, like, I noted stuff down. Like when they're getting close, um, you know, like, oh, um, I shouldn't have to say anything. Then don't, and then like, like various things about asking, mm. like, don't ask, don't tell. I don't know if that was there in 1999, but like, I feel like it might. I think have that been. might be an early 2000s thing. But, yeah, um, it's hard to tell. Either way, it fits quite well, and especially because like Starfleet, for all of its niceness, is a military thing. Yeah, I just noticed that and thought it was interesting. It's a good point. Um, yeah, and it, it, even if "Don't Ask, Don't Tell" hasn't come in to the military at that point, it was certainly something that was in the conversation at that time in America. With yeah, because cause we're just coming out of the like nineteen eighties, nineteen nineties moral panic about gay people which is exactly what's happening to trans people at the moment yeah exactly yeah um and even though they were you know coming out of, like coming out of that thing and then there's kind of like a glut of into the 2000s like queer movies coming <laughs> out and then like um people starting to get like oscars for this and that and mm. then it all you know accelerates but it's still like yeah just coming out of that and they I think they, um, yeah, at the start of the episode, Bashir is like, oh, they think that um, reassociation is unnatural and disgusting. And I'm like, ah, oh, those are familiar words. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, it's, if I put my slight critical hat on, I still think this, I don't yeah. think this is a problem with the episode, really. But it is just one thought that crossed my mind for a moment. And certainly... The way it's presented, it being unnatural and disgusting, is a stupid reason. But unlike homophobia, which I see no logical basis for whatsoever, this is fucking dumb, there is part of me that can kind of think, yeah, I can see why it would be really disruptive to, 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 yeah. to like, I was thinking, partners, spouses in this situation, it's not so bad, but can you imagine being a child your parent, unfortunately, losing their life in an accident, and then someone who looks completely different to your mum or dad coming up and being like, well, I'm your new... Like, it, it, it yeah, feels... Especially in a society where not everyone has this symbiont and this reincarnation. So I can sort of see why there would be rules around it and things. But I think that, I mean, obviously... I sort of think if I take that to my logical exclusion, there'd be a lot more permissive rules, and they certainly wouldn't exclude two women like we have in this situation that apparently have no other dependence or no other problems, so to speak, with resuming their relationship, mm. especially as there's several hosts down the line. Mm. But but I can see why it would be disruptive, and in some Oops. ways that if you if you start thinking about that, it slightly undermines the message with homophobia because you can start thinking. 
um, you know, oh, well, there's a logical reason for this. There must be a logical reason for homophobia in real life, which isn't true. So, and that's the that is like a recurrent problem in like fantasy and sci fi yeah. when you're doing, um, um, what's the word? Um, allegory when allegory, yeah. Um, there's oh, there's a really good, um, we've accidentally strayed into stuff I wrote about at uni, <laughs> so this is gonna get really boring. No, it did, but there's a, like a really good, um, Tolkien quote about like allegory versus applicability, whereas if you're just writing mm. honest stories that are applicable, then. Um, it will just work better. Yeah, yeah. I think I've I used that. I used that quote in my dissertation. <laughs> 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 I didn't um, because my reminds... dissertation was a scientific study. <laughs> <laughs> but it reminds me of um, you know the movie Bright. I referenced that. Um, do I know the movie Bright? No, I don't think I, don't. I do. It was um, it was Will Smith um, kind of gangland oh, fantasy yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and they have all of the orcs who are canonically um, oh stupid, yes yes I remember. um as the black allegory and so they have these stu- naturally stupid and violent creatures wearing do-rags and mm. liking rap music and um the reason everyone hates them is because the old wizard um used to really lo- like did something with the, the like orcs and a, a wizard who's a bad guy, but like the orcs did something, and that's why everyone hates them. And I'm like, mm. Mm. yeah, black people didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, <laughs> they were enslaved, um, and so it doesn't. It they re- they they really tried to do something, but also they. It didn't quite work. And, and I always find it by justifying making like justifying making a taboo is. Yeah, yeah. Like just to find I mean, I always find them. it interesting um, from a sort of linguistics and literature point of view of when in sci-fi, because obviously in the example you cited there, that was a deliberate choice. Mm. But I do find it interesting when the label comes and who that says more about, because every now and again I see analysis of, of, of fantasy and sci-fi thing where they're like, Oh, well, obviously this race is exactly like this real-life culture. And I'm like, no, I don't think that's intended. Mm. But you've, you've, you've done some interesting things where you've, where you've said <laughs> clearly the... Like, and, and often it's said, and I think this is where being... Because I'm, I'm not going to pretend I'm immune to this, but pretend it, like being aware of your own subconscious prejudices. Because I've, I've not seen that... I've, I've seen that as someone sees a group in a movie, decides it must be a racist or problematic portrayal of a particular real-life group, and then attacks the film for it. And it's like, I think also you have to confront why you read that into it as well. And, And just at least think, is that intentional or is that me reading something into it? And if I'm reading something into it, why? Is it because that's actually there or not it's just a it's just a fascinating thing um and i think it's as likely to be done by someone reviewing something as it is likely to be done by someone writing or directing something which i think happened in bright like you said i think that was Mm. a deliberate but very stupid thing to have done yeah i think they really and also i think having like the human being played by a black man like helps and i don't i, yeah. I don't want to talk about <laughs> right this is a star trek broadcast <laughs> but um i think they they had like good intentions there was yeah yeah and you know it's a it's a fun film yeah well 
unless we've got anything else to say about this episode and it's absolutely <laughs> fine if you've got more notes that you want to talk about um, we can do that yeah yeah go ahead um, just a couple um so jadzia's dressed uniform is hot yes similarly the jumpsuit she wears later is also hot um, <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly the kind um, of note we like on this podcast i also think that um uh Cisco's dress uniform looks really cool as well with the They definitely did some yeah. improvements from TNG's dress yeah, uniforms. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, the weird dresses, not fan. Um, I'm still planning to like come to your wood... wedding dress like that, Nathan, by the way. Oh, please do. That's so good. Um, it's not you. You also... don't you can't determine the dress code at my wedding. Don't encourage him, because he will. <laughs> <laughs> I keep, I mean, you know, I'm a big bloody goth, so I turn up at people's weddings looking like an omen of death, and they're cool with it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I have said ask. there's like, no real, there's no real dress code, but I feel like I should send Jake a very specific dress code. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no stash. Well, that's the problem. Anymore. There might be a dress code, Nathan, but your unfortunately your wedding invites all in Russian, so I can't understand it. <laughs> <laughs> um, I also wanted to put because I haven't normally when I'm watching Star Trek, I'll you know, watch it properly. Um, I'll do like a rewatch and sure. series. I don't dip in much. And um, just Eddington's quiet presence yes. this is really unnerving. Uh, knowing that he's we really the whole recently time. watched um, for the listeners will have heard it actually because because of, of the order we're doing this. So we watched Eddington's betrayal uh, recently and his and the whole hunting him down. So um, yeah, and that yeah. was my it, first it was weird. That was my first experience of Eddington was when we watched for the uniform for the podcast and I hadn't uh, oh. seen it before. And I, they, then, yes, yeah, hearing he gets mentioned twice and then he sort of pops up a couple of times uh, in this episode. And I was like, oh, shit, that's the guy. And like you that's say, the guy. yeah, like and, and yeah, like you and say, it's like it's it's like a no one would have noticed when it went out because of the order that they came in, obviously. But like watching it in retrospect, you're like, oh, that's weird. And you start like coming up with little like headcanon ideas where you're like oh I, maybe that may, maybe Eddington sabotaged the uh, the probe that went out that caused the big explosion and maybe that was part well, of the, the that you know that kind of thing yeah and like him being like totally like we're gonna just you just have to like jettison it into space yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> Like oh she's and like she and then like Jadzia just like taps Lena, like goes down on the force field thing, taps Lenara Khan on the shoulder once and Lenara Khan just like wakes up and goes like, Oh my head hurts a little bit and I'm like <laughs> Eddington would have just like explode like imploded her in space yeah. without any thought yeah. and then they just go into a cupboard and they're fine and they have a cuddle and then we don't see what happens after that yeah. so it's like, very important in your engineering section to have the cuddling cupboard you yeah. know you never yeah. know when you're gonna need it <laughs> yeah exactly it's a, I, I i went out with an engineer for a little bit and she was cuddles were very important to her and i think that's something that they learn on on the course like after a hard day of engineering you just you just gotta have a little bit of a hug and Lovely, a little bit of a cuddling cuddle. Yeah. And and like how eager he was to kill her there was kind of like, hmm. But also in the episode he just looks like and it also like <laughs> it's really hard to tell because of how he's because he I don't know if like the guy is a I can't remember was it this series that he it, or, Yeah, this what? series he he first betrays them and then it's the next series when Cisco goes after him. Right. So like so the actor does know that he's playing a man who is pretending. Yes. So he's like he's playing yeah, like the actor is playing a man who is like 
part of the marquee who is acting to be a good Starfleet employee. Mm. Um, and I can't tell at that point whether he's saying like, we're going to have to jettison the whole thing, just leave her as like a sabotage thing or whether he's just like, I'm not paid enough for this <laughs> by marquee who I think don't even have money. Yeah. Um, like, or like whether it's genuine, like self yeah. like preservation. Or, or, or is what? he just a misogynist? Like, or is he just a misogynist? He might, if that was a man who was trapped on the other side, he might have been willing to go and do it, but he might just hate women. And he's like, yeah, no, it, it, I'm not risking my life for a woman. And like, because he, we know he's an arsehole. So it wouldn't, it doesn't, it wouldn't. I assume that everyone who portrays Cisco is also probably a misogynist. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, well, if we've got nothing else to say about the episode, then we can move on to the important questions because we're going to have to wrap up shortly. Um, yeah. So, uh, Katie, we have three questions we ask about every episode. Uh, these are things that have come up, uh, that kept com- coming up in old episodes. We've done nearly a hundred of these now. And at some point during those hundred, um, thank you for a little clap that you gave us there. That was really <laughs> quite <kind>. a lot. <laughs> it is quite a lot. Yeah. Yeah. We deserve more. Um, <laughs> but, um, the... I've been at my podcast since 2020. We've got like 30 episodes <laughs> to keep on having breaks. So, like... Yeah. We've done, we've done, uh, we've done nearly, nearly a hundred episodes done two years of it um so also yeah thanks listeners for that um i hope you enjoyed our two year special that we released a couple of weeks ago but uh in those two years certain questions kept cropping up uh, across all of the series um and we've started just getting them out of the way with every episode so that we know an answer it's someone i've been told is keeping a spreadsheet of these so um amazing (laughs) can you right whoever that is can you send, send it, it to, to us, me. please? Yeah, like, like I want to see. <laughs> I want to see that, and I might use it for some hundredth episode ideas I've got. Oh, so. great! Um, so the, the first, the first question, um, and for listeners, uh, Katie doesn't know what these questions are yet. Um, the first question; these are a bit silly, right? <laughs> the first question is: Who in this episode would you most like to see wearing a fez? <laughs> a fez. <laughs> oh, like. So sit, like Jadzia has had the hair depoofed, so I feel like a, one would sit on it. But honestly, she could do that in her magician. Cisco. Yeah, it has to be Cisco right. in the dress uniform with a fez on. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, because it's all when red. When he's doing his nice. toast. Yeah. Oh. Yes, yeah. when he's doing the toast, that would be good. That would be so good. But also, like, um, what? So Vashir says that he's going to pull a rabbit out of Quarksia next when Jadzia. But imagine him if out. it was a fez. <laughs> Yeah. Judge, yeah. Out of his ear, onto his head, he wears it for the rest of the episode. Maybe it has to be like a guinea pig, because Fez is a bit smaller than a top <laughs> I think Bashir wearing a Fez sort of works anyway, because he's got the sort of face shape for a Fez. But then, like, he also, because he's doing magic tricks, it's kind of, it's got a bit of a Tommy Cooper vibe about it, if he's wearing the Fez <laughs> when he's doing it. Um <laughs> I'm just imagining someone at Quarks doing Tommy Cooper, and then they no one in there will have ever seen this. And he's either thinking it's the funniest thing or going like, "This one's clearly gone mad." Yeah. Why are you going? Bleh, 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 bleh. going oh, it's it's funny. G- it's going up to Morn at the bar and being like, uh, "All right." Uh. Now that is a man I want to see wearing a fez. Yeah. I want to in a fez. There we go. We, Done. Yeah, I mean, I feel like whenever there's a scene in Quarks, we should uh, give Morn the fez. <laughs> um, I'd, I'd love to see Morn's reaction to Tommy Cooper if someone came up to him and started going, like, uh, all right, uh, bottle, 
bottle, bottle, bottle, bottle, bottle. Okay, um, so the second question is uh, the Klim question. So a Klim is a space Karen. So who in this episode is most likely to want to speak to the manager? So essentially, who's a who's a Karen in this episode? Who's the most Karenish? Karen? Oh, it's the like the old scientist who yeah. like, is literally in the bar watching, <laughs> creepily perving like, on them. Like yeah, we didn't mention that. Yeah, no, like yeah, they like literally they hold hands and then it like goes to a, like a little bit of a hole in the fancy wall yeah. and he's looking through. Like, he's just seen, I don't know, someone shit in his dinner. It's, <laughs> <laughs> it's like, he really, like, oh, the glare on this guy. Yeah. So, like, and he tries to bring it up to Lenara's sister, and he's like, it's my fucking sister you're talking about. Stay out of it. <laughs> and then, um, but then, like, the brother later treats Dax with respect and is like, I'm just looking out for my sister. Yeah, exactly. And it, it's the old guy who's a bit of a, Karen, so him. I think he is the most Karenish. I think some Karen points go to Quark uh, for refusing to believe that magic tricks are, are are real and for showing like, how do you do it? I need to know how you do it and all that stuff. That's quite a Karen. <laughs> not just accepting that it's a fun trick. Um, yeah. yeah. But yeah, the that old science guy I think is the easily the most Karenish episode in this episode. Or Karenish yeah, he's person definitely in this episode. the answer. Now, the final ultimate question. Uh, this is a question that we've been asking since episode one of this podcast. Um, and I feel like the answer is going to be that guy again. But uh, who in this episode is most likely to try to suck their own cock? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, probably Quark after imagining Lenara and Dax together, isn't it? Yeah, that's probably <laughs> that's true. He does have a weird sort of glint in his eye. Um, although, yeah. I think... He's maybe that's what's in Worf's dreams. <laughs> <laughs> because we know Klingons have two. Maybe that is a terrifying thing that will Dude, freeze our that, mind. Yeah, that's canon. Is that canon or podcast canon? No, it's no, it's actual canon. <laughs> if you watch what? if you watch the final episode so it's been a joke for a while because there's that TNG line where they're like, Oh, Klingons have backups. And in Discovery, one, there is the sex scene where there's a Klingon, and you can see that there's two, there's two there. And then there's, and then, and then there's another what? scene later on where there's a Klingon drunk pissing against the wall, and there's two separate streams. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was like an in-joke in the industry for, like, well, in the community of fans' pages, and then... The and then Discovery Star Trek went, yeah, let's let's make it canon. Why I not? Gotta watch Discovery Man. <laughs> yeah, so that yeah, yeah, it's canon that Klingons have two penises. Oh my well, God. they have at I least two. I feel like two. this is a highlight of this of, of both the podcast and my life. <laughs> I got to explain to uh, a, a lovely lesbian woman the, 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 the ins and outs of Klingon penises, and there's not many people that can say they've done that. Um, <laughs> That's, that's the thing about Klingon penises as well. They can be both in and out at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't want to... I know you're trying to wrap the episode. Are they next to each other? Or are we, they no one knows, no one knows Katie. No, we, we don't know. We've, been, we've, been, we've asked this question ourselves. Are they? Is one inside the other? Would that be... would be like like a sort of little... What, inside the yeah, other? Yeah, like a sort of little... Like, what, like kind of alien jaws kind like, of thing. Well, yeah, or like a little... Oh, God, I wasn't thinking... Like where one comes out the end of the other one. Like... <laughs> When you said one is inside the other, I was thinking of like a sort of Russian doll like sort of situation. Self-docking. <laughs> yeah, self-docking. No, no, I, my personal belief is that they're like that. I think they're like a Y shape, like 
Yeah. I, I want them to be one on top of the other. Like that. I feel like yeah. that's just Though, more. If, if it is. What if, if, if we what assume. One of them is in. If we then, assume. Why does the other one just go up to the side of the. Yeah. Is that going, like, your legs? Presumably they both get erect at the same time as well. You couldn't just have one erect and one flaccid one, because that would look weird. Well, (laughs) do Klingon... Everyone's been asking, do Klingon men have two penises? But we've not been asking, uh, do do Klingon Klingon vagina havers have have two... That's a very good point, yes. You know, yeah. like, is that also double? You'd presume so, because the whole point of Klingon... Uh, penis havers having two penises is that they have a backup of every organ. That was the whole. That yeah. was the origin of the joke, anyway. So presumably, there would be a vagina is an organ. Presumably, there so, are two but vaginas could, as well. Could then a Klingon, if 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 a, if a Klingon person with with all the apparatus for giving birth, could they get pregnant and then do it in the other hole and get pregnant a second time in their second like uterus and so on presumably yes like like if they have two wombs as well as two so then then you you'd have like one popping out and be like oh but this one's got 6 months left on it or whatever yeah like those like fancy people who've got two got two ovens, and you can. We look like I feel like we've made Katie think about things she never wanted to think about. No, I was just trying. I was just in my own my own poor little body trying to imagine where I would put two babies or like two wombs. Like, would it come? Like, would it come out the side and then a big cleft in the middle? Like a bum? <laughs> yeah, you look like a, one big bum. Yeah. Yes. God, that's fucking horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I I'm going to read everything on the internet about this. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> There's so much. Um, <laughs> but, but, God, now I know why Jensi <laughs> had to limp to the infirmary after she <laughs> the first time. Yeah. Jesus Christ, like that's, that's some accommodation that you're going to have to do. <laughs> I want to know if they have like specially made condoms for for like do they do you get one condom with two legs in it for want of a better word or like like a like you know like a pair of tights or something I was just thinking it was like a little pair of yeah like, do you get like little a little latex pair of tights for them or do you have to put two normal ones on like separately oh, like don't birth control in Star Trek's fucking stupid like the the bit with Cisco or like what Cassidy Yates realizing she's pregnant because um, they tried to make it equal so that um, both of them have to take a pill so that they can have sex without getting pregnant. Yeah, and I'm like, like hormonal medication <laughs> is not fun, and I don't like. Yeah, it sends you insane, and they don't make it for men because it makes you sad and crazy. Um, but they do it for women because that is fine when they're sad and crazy. But like, at least only one person has to take it, you know. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it, it should be an option. That is like worse. Like it's objectively worse. <laughs> also, you'd think in Star Trek, they could, when they can cure like a broken rib by shining a funny light on it, you'd think they'd have something better than taking pills that ruin your life for a couple of months or whatever. Like, yeah, yeah like. Did you see? Oh, this is like I know you've got to wrap up the podcast, and I'm gonna talk about the ball bath that makes you <laughs> infertile for six months at a time. What? Have you seen what? what? It's like um, you know, there's like it's an ultra. It's I can't remember what it's called, but it's like a little like chalice, 
and you put your nuts in it. Chalice. <laughs> and look, yeah. And um, it it sends um, like vibrations that kills all of the semen in your balls, and it makes you infertile for like six months, and it's totally painless. And then it wears off. I've never heard of this ever, but I've found being developed what in like the Germany. fuck? Yeah, like the little ball bath. What's it? Men called? can prevent that pregnancy by perfect. giving their testicles a bath. I, I don't know what it's called. Is it called the Vax Platinum German. Smartwash? <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can't cut this section out. You have to get through the, the very sad queer content. <laughs> <laughs> but like that's so Star Trek, the little. It ball is, ball. yeah. It's even down to the. Sort Maybe of... they do that. Do, do Klingons have four balls? Yeah, I wonder if they do have four balls. Because well, that's too much cum. Because Klingon women only have two breasts, so the. Uh, that is true. Yeah, they can. Hmm. There's, like, and also they've got like the normal amount of eyes and noses and all that. Yeah, that's so. true. There's limits on it somewhere. Core has only got three balls. <laughs> the other <laughs> is in the Kronos Town Hall. <laughs> <laughs> I love the idea of like when Hitler was planning the Blitz and everything and he was like telling all of his cronies like go <laughs> and... Just clip that bit and get you cancelled again. <laughs> But I love the idea that he's telling all of his cronies where to bomb, and he's going like, "Yes, we bombed this part of of Germ of not Germany." He wasn't doing that. That was that would no. that wouldn't help his plans. He was going, "Yes, we bomb we bombed this bit of London. We bombed Soho, and then we bombed Buckingham Palace, and then if we could just avoid the Albert Hall, uh, <laughs> just." <laughs> he's like, "I just I just really like the architecture of the Albert Hall, yeah. actually." Um, <laughs> Um, we, we did we decide who was most likely to have sucked their own cock or not? <laughs> <laughs> I think we got sidetracked. But... I, think we, I think we got. I think we got very sidetracked. Yeah, I think I, I can't believe they made Klingons <laughs> having two penises canon. Well, and I can't believe I didn't know that. Um, I, I I'm gonna say Quark. Yeah. Um, although what with him? I don't know what with him being short. He's got less room to go. But I feel like. Yeah, spine. I feel like it's either you Quark. Need, you need a lot of spine to kind of curve around. It could be Eddington, because I feel like maybe that's what he uses the cuddle cupboard for. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he was like, leave that woman to die, because he knew that like, She'd right seen next him. it was like his porn stash in the cuddle cupboard. <laughs> and he, he's like, oh, if I can't get to dispose of that, I'd rather kill a woman than <laughs> anyone find it. Um, I, I think I think that's pretty much all we've got time for this week. <laughs> what a way to end an episode! Um, um, before we end, Katie, is there anything you would like to plug to our listeners? Um, yes, I um, am very funny. Come see me do stand up whenever I'm near you, Katie Mitchell. Also, um, I have a podcast called Fun Time with Katie and Leslie, where we um, have a theme for we'll have a title and we will just do what's in the title um and sometimes there will be quite esoteric or like esoteric like one of my favorites is we revise for our upcoming dracula exam <laughs> there is no dracula exam um one which is very like is it a, is it a blood test combat. what is <laughs> a um, da, 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 
where we employed the guy who said who um, does the mor- says Mortal Kombat in the Mortal Kombat <laughs> thing to do as a custom intro because he's on cameo, um, and we, that is just about Mortal Kombat. And also, he does a thing at the start, which is like he goes, It's really good, um, and other episodes as well. Oh, that sounds um, great. We're back to updating them. So, um, and where can people find that? Just yeah. wherever they get podcasts. Oh, just there, everywhere. You found where this. You, you should be this. able to there's find a, that. <laughs> yeah, there's a search search bar somewhere. I mean, I'll can, I'll send you. Yeah, a, it'll be in the thing that it. I always point to, which is pointless. Yeah, links will be in the show notes for this episode. Um, again, it's called. Is it called a fun time with? Katie and Leslie. Katie and Leslie. Great, yeah. brilliant. Um, so definitely go and uh, go and find that. Listen to that. Um, uh, you can obviously follow Katie on social media. Um, oh, yeah. where, where can they get you on social media? <laughs> um, I'm Katie. I mean, I'm like Katie Zoe Mitch. I really, really need to like <laughs> homogenize all my links. It's some combination of like. So I'm Katie Zoe Mitchell on Instagram. Katie Zoe Mitch on Twitter because there was a character limp and Kate link, <laughs> lin, limit and Katie Mitchell was already taken. Just get rid of the Zoe bit. Um, oh, right, I see. <laughs> yeah, like Katie Mitchell was already taken. Um, and is also now um, an Oscar-winning cartoon character and my SEO is tanked through the floor. Um, <laughs> oh, mate, listen, there's another podcast called Red Shirts and uh, it's, oh, it, no. <laughs> it is ruining our reach. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, because they're not even updating, which annoys me. I wouldn't even mind losing to her. Yeah, but we're better than them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no, we're the first on Google now. Yes, fuck you guys or the red shirts. Um, I'm sure they're lovely. Um, Is is there anything else that you'd like to plug, Katie, before we sign off? Uh, So I've just booked in my Edinburgh show um, in August, which this is coming out like soon Before. after recording yeah, yeah, the... not relevant but um i'm booked in from the 19th to the 28th of august at the counting house loft at um either loft or attic they're yeah they're next to each other know, <laughs> it's free fringe it's 12 i'm sure there'll be somewhere nice for lunch at one yeah there, there is go to red box it's just over the road it's very nice um Ooh, very nice. Uh, and what's the name of the show um she festers Great, cool name. Um, thank you. <laughs> um, thank, thank you very much, Katie Mitchell, for joining us. Um, as ever, listeners, if you want to follow us on social media at the podcast, it's at RedShirtsCast on uh, Instagram and Twitter, or you can send us an email, RedShirtsCast at gmail.com. Um, equally, uh, I'm also doing the Edinburgh Fringe Festival. Uh, I'm doing a show called Neurotica. It's at 12.30 in the afternoon uh, at... Uh, I, I can tell you the venue now, which is exciting. I found out this week. Uh, it is at... Uh, Cabaret Voltaire, uh, the long room on Blair Street. Um, it's a really great venue and the show is really fun and I really would like you to come and see it. Uh, so come and see me one day and then go and see Katie the day after and you've got yourself a, a, a full, wonderful trip of, uh, of fun red shirts adjacent content. <laughs> um, yeah. Nathan, anything you want to plug? No, um, I'm hoping I'll be on some stand-up fairly soon, but I'm not going to the Fringe because I've just got married. So Aww. yeah, let's plug. No... Let's plug Nathan's wedding. Um, let's all go to Nathan's. If wedding. you if you turn up to the do not turn up to my wedding. Turn... No, 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 no. Actually, uh, Nathan told me that he said as as many as much as I tell people not to do it. Uh, that that's just me being shy. Actually, can you really push and get everyone to know that uh, I really want them to come to the wedding? If you turn up and you uh, and you say the password. Uh, 
to me because I'm in charge. Um, if if you come up to if you, <laughs> if you come up to the to me at, at the wedding venue, <laughs> which is. Um, <laughs> I'm and now you've got your joke cut because I'm not letting that out. <laughs> just beep, just beep it. Um, but, if, but if you turn up and you say, um, uh, if you come up and you say, uh, "Vax Platinum Smartwash Next Generation Motion Sense Cleaning Technology," <laughs> then I'll let you into the wedding. Uh, you can come. You get free food. Uh, Nathan's put on a really lovely spread. Um, you know. Uh, <laughs> It, 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 if you're a listener to the podcast, you can come to any of our weddings. I think that's essentially how this works. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Also, like when I get married, you can come to mine. Yeah. Oh, that's nice. But yeah, but yeah. Hopefully, I'll have some stand-up soon. But I'm in an incredibly busy time of my life and um, had to rewrite a bunch <laughs> of it. So, uh, but uh, so, yeah. But other than that, thank you for listening. Uh, live long and prosper, and goodbye. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.